Hello everyone, this week's Torah portion is Bamidbar, uh, in the desert literally it's translated, somehow the the world had the translation of numbers, which is, seems to be the case in this Pasha actually, so this week's Pasha is Bamidbar, in this week's Pasha we count, we count the Jewish people, Moshe and Aaron, they counted the Jewish people, and we have a certain amount of numbers of the Jewish people, which is probably where, probably where they got the numbers uh, translation from. So I want to speak a little bit about this week's Pasha and uh, different concepts in this week's Pasha that come up. So the first thing I want to speak about is actually the uh, the counting itself. The counting itself is very interesting because they would count each person with a machatzit shekel. Not a full shekel, not a full coin of certain value, but machatzit, a half. I don't want to speak about machatzit shekel today, but I want I do want to speak about the counting itself. Why do they have to count? What did the counting mean? So I'm going to open up in Kedushat Levi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Mebodichov. He, he writes something, he asks a certain question. There's a pasuk in this week's parasha, a verse. It says, just like Hashem commanded Moshe, that, that's how he counted in the desert of Sinai. So now it's weird because the language of Hebrew, or the language in this pasuk actually, is backwards. It switches it around. It's, it seems backwards. It seems backwards, he's saying. So there's actually a secret in this, in this pasuk, in this verse. Hashem, the Creator, gave the Torah to Bnei Yisrael, to the Jewish people. Benishmat Yisrael, the soul of every Bnei Yisrael, him gufa Torah. The souls are actually the bodies of the Torah. How do we know, he says? Ki Yisrael hem shishim ribot yot Torah. Because every single person, at the time there was shishim ribot, it was 600,000 souls that were receiving the Torah, 600,000 souls, corresponding to the 600,000 letters in the Torah. Every single Jewish person corresponds to a letter in the Torah. Nimtza Yisrael hem Torah. So actually Bnei Yisrael, themselves, the Jewish people, they are the Torah. Because every single Jewish person is actually a letter from the Torah itself. So the Jad Levi is actually bringing us a secret. When Moshe was counting them, he was actually telling us he's, he's teaching them Torah. Every time he counted a different person, he taught them Torah. Something amazing. So now we thought that, okay, this guy's one, this guy's two, this guy's three, this guy's four. No, it's not, it's not like that. It's not simple. It's not, it's not by its face value. It's actually, he taught them Torah while he was counting. The commandment that Hashem had to Moshe was what he used to count B'nai Israel. The teaching of the Torah was actually the counting. So he tells us that the, the Bnei Israel, the, the Jews who are Israelites, not the Levites, the Israelites, we have Kohen Levi Israel in our, in the Jewish people. So we have the priests, then the Levites who work under the priests, and then Israelites were, most of the nation were Israelites so the, the Levites weren't counted in this counting, which is very, very odd. So the Kedusha Levi is telling us is that the Levites were actually corresponding to the Torah Shabbat Peh, the oral Torah, not the Torah Shabbat the Torah that's written down. The 600,000 letters of the Torah are actually corresponding to the Israelites, not the Levites. So it's just very interesting to see what is he, what is he actually telling us? He's telling us is that when Moshe counted the Jewish people, 
it wasn't just accounting. Why, why did you need to count? Well, what's the, what's the reason for counting? He was actually teaching them the Torah while he was counting. So it's not about the counting, it was about teaching the Torah. So we see there's a, there's a certain value in teaching the Torah that it adds to the, to the counting. So I want to teach you, uh, I want to look at the uh, Arizal. The Arizal gives us a, uh, a technical uh, story about how they would count the Jewish people. He says that they would count each person, every single tent in all of the camp. Amen Lukutei Torah Sefer Bamidbar, Parashat Bamidbar. He says, Libnei Ruven, Kashe. So he asks a question. What was, what was going on? Why, why were they counting? And when they were counting, why do some tribes get Livnei to the sons of Reuven, to the sons of the tribe of Reuven? But there's one tribe. It doesn't say to the sons. It just says the sons of Naphtali. Naphtali was the only one. It said the sons of Naphtali. It didn't say to the sons, this many to the sons, right? It says, Livnei, Livnei. Why does it say in all of the tribes? It says, to the sons of Ushvet Naftali Acharon, the last tribe, it doesn't say Livnei Naftali, it just says Bnei Naftali, it just says the sons of. It doesn't say counting to the sons of. So he's, the Arizal is focusing on this one letter. What's going on with this one letter? Why are we focusing on this one letter? So he's actually, through this one letter, the question on this one letter in all of the Torah, he's actually bringing us how they used to count, which is pretty amazing. He tells us, I'm, I'm gonna just say it over, he, said, he tells us that they go by each tent, each tent, each tent. They go each tent. They ask, who are you? What's your father's name? And which tribe are you from? So they'll write it down. His name was the son of this person who's from this tribe. This guy is from the son of, is the son of this person from this tribe. They go each person in Menesla and the Jewish tribe. Now they have everyone. But is it organized? No, the other side tells us. He tells us they would organize it even further. Look at this. It's amazing. They take a second notebook. They write down each name, but now in the right order. First, the tribe of Reuven. They would go through the entire first notebook. Where is the tribe of Reuven? Where are these people? They write it down. Then they go to Shimon. Now, not in that exact order, but when they get to Naphtali, who is the last tribe that they would count, they don't have to because once you get rid of everyone else, you know that the first notebook has everyone that's Naphtali. So you don't have to write them down, which is why the Arizal is telling us they didn't put that one letter. So... We know that there's no letter in the Torah that's extra and no letter in the Torah that's missing. So the Rizal is telling us this letter is not, is, is not missing. We know that it's not supposed to be like that because this is how they used to count. So the Rizal is showing us the counting was so exact, so organized. It's that it's, it's, it can't, it's, it's impossible. It's like no person today, I don't think I could, would be able to count and come up with this idea to count a, a certain amount of people. It's, it's amazing. So that's, that's the counting that they perform. I want to move on to this uh, concept of the learning of the Torah that Moshe taught the Bnei Israel. He taught them Torah. So now I want to go to the Sfat Emet. He tells us something very beautiful. The Sfat Emet says about this week's parasha. Let me open up to the place so we know what I'm reading. He says something very interesting. We know that because Bamidbar is when they, the, the time that Bnei Yisrael spent in the desert, eventually they reached Hal Sinai and they got the Torah and then they moved on and went into uh, uh, Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel. But he, the Sfatimah is, is telling us something very interesting. The Midrash 
Torah Shnitnam Bemidbam, the Torah that was given in the desert, Ma Elu Chinam Lechol Bayaulam, Kach Divre Torah. He tells us that the Torah itself is free. It's not, doesn't cost money. You can go online, battletransformation.org. You go online, you find the classes, it's free. It's free. But it's not that kind of free. It says, the Svatimet, it's the kind of free where anyone who wants to learn, anyone who has the desire to learn, can come and learn. They have the opportunity to learn the Torah. It's not something that you need to pay for specifically in, in effort. It's, it's something you can just do. There's no, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. That's, that's the free he meant. So now he has, brings another pasuk, says if a person doesn't make themselves like a midbar, he's not able to buy the Torah. So now we have certain wording in this pasuk, it's very, very strange. If a person doesn't make himself hefker, nullified or ownerless, like a midbar, like the desert. So he's coming to teach us, why is this week's parashat, parashat bamidbar? What is parashat bamidbar? What is bamidbar? So bamidbar is actually like a desert. What is like a desert? A desert is, is something that's, there's nothing there. No one owns it. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's basically nothing. It's nullified. It's ownerless. That's what hefker is. It's ownerless. It's, it, no one owns the desert. The desert is the desert. There's nothing in the desert. So what is he coming to teach us? There's two psukim here. We have one that says, that the Torah itself, learning of the Torah is free. And you can come to teach it. Come to learn it, I mean, I'm sorry. But then the other Pasuk says that you have to be a certain level of nullified to learn the Torah. So how is that possible? What is, what is he telling us? How, how are these two Psukim existing at the same time? So the Sfat Emet gives an amazing answer. They, they, they contradict each other. How is it, how is the Torah free if we have to do something to ourselves and make ourselves have kev, make ourselves nullified in order to buy it? It's true, 100%, the Torah is chinam. Anyone who wants to, anyone who has the desire to learn Torah, they will learn Torah. They can come and learn Torah. But first you have to have the desire. That's to learn the Torah. That's to get to the Torah. But to buy the Torah. He says, not to acquire. To acquire the, the actual Torah. What is to, to buy the Torah? The Svatimet is telling us to have dvekut, to have a cleaving onto the essence of the Torah. The true Torah. He says that Pasuk, a person who has who, uh, an old person who has, who's bought, who's acquired wisdom. What does acquired mean? Kana, the word buying, has the word kan or ken, a nest, which means that the wisdom is actually nesting within, within him, within the wise person. So what is a person who's buying the Torah? It's a person whose the Torah is within him. It's nesting, it's, it's residing within him. That's why we say every morning, you should mix the words of Torah within our mouths. That the Torah should be swallowed into your blood. You should be living the Torah. It should be within you. Not uh, something that's physical and around and just a wisdom and intellectual. It's something that you live, something that's within you, within your blood, within your soul, within your mouth, always saying it. And 
What does it mean? You can't buy it. You can't acquire it. You're not, you, you can't liknot, you can't kana until you become hefkel, until you become nullified. So he's telling us that if we want to learn Torah, if we have the desire to learn Torah, that's great. That's the first step. Everyone can come and have a desire and want to learn Torah. But what do you do when you want to acquire the deeper parts of Torah? What do you do? How are you supposed to achieve that level? So he's telling us, the Sfat Emet is telling us, I'm sorry, Sfat Emet is telling us, you have to become hefkel like a midbar. You have to become nullified. You are not really existing in, if, if Torah exists in two entities. If you, there's, there's this, uh, there's a rabbi that I listen to sometimes. He, he talks about how there's no, some people say in Judaism, there's no duality in the Godhead. No, most people don't understand what that means. It means en on milvado. There is nothing but him. If you said there is the creator and something else, then that means the, the creator and something else both have power. There's no the creator and me and Michael Gian. There's no the creator and the phone and the chair and the book. And there's just the creator. So if you think everything is nullified, everything is like a midbag, everything is like a desert, it's nullified within the creator. I am giving myself up, surrendering to the creator because I know that he is the only existence. That takes you deeper and deeper into his Torah. So the Sfatimit says, A person who learns Torah, not for the sake of learning Torah itself, but for the sake of something else, for the sake of being smarter, for the sake of getting intellectually farther in life, even though you're learning like that, even though it's not supposed to be like that, eventually you'll come to a level where you will be learning just for the sake of learning, just because uh, Hashem commanded you to learn Torah. So now he's going to take it into a, a deeper level, which relates to actually our time right now, the Sfira, Sfira Tohomer. What does it mean, Shelo Lishma Balishma? We know that in the Bala Sulam's introduction to Talmud Esel Sfirot, Talmud Examinations, he gives a whole Dvar Torah on this one Pasuk, Shelo Lishma Balishma. Someone who doesn't learn for the sake of learning comes to learn for the sake of learning. So what is he telling us? Is that a person who's, so the Mishnah, this is a Mishnah who gives us a Pasuk, who's actually talking about Memchet Vari, 48 things that a person does in order to acquire the, this deep essence of the Torah, the Atzmut, the essence of the Torah. So how many days do we have in Tzfirat Omer? We have 49. 48 levels, he tells us, is the same as the Sfirah that we do. And then when we count it, we get to the last level and then we're able to acquire the Torah. So he's telling us, once we're going through these levels, we're able to, to be nullified all the powers and all the mannerisms and give it up and surrender to the Torah, then the Torah can be acquired. What are we doing in the Sfirat Omer? We're actually going closer and closer to Matan Torah, to, to the, the giving of the Torah. We can't be koneh, we can't be acquired, we can't acquire the Torah unless we're working on our midot, working on the kochot and and midbatel ourselves to the Torah. We want to be surrendering ourselves. We don't want to be someone who's important. We want to be Eved Hashem, we want to be serving God, but... 
We want to have the power that Hashem wants us to have. Because if we, if we don't go with Hashem, then what are we doing? Why are we being more spiritual? What, who, are, who are we? If you want to go, if we want to go through the path of spirituality, we have to understand that Hashem is everything. And everything encompasses under Hashem. So we have to be surrendering to that existence and surrendering to that mindset in order to go deeper into his Torah and go deeper into spirituality. So what happens? The preparation for receiving the Torah was these hardships, getting out of Mitzrayim, going through the desert. It's all these things that are preparing you for receiving the Torah. So the Svatimath is telling us, if you want to be prepared to get this endless amount of, of blessing and light in your life, what are you prepared to go through? Are you prepared to go through the darkest times? Are you prepared to go through the ocean until the ocean reaches your nose like Nafshona ben Aminadav? What are you prepared to, to do? What are you prepared to go through? What, how many hardships are you ready to do? Not go through them on purpose. Are you ready? Are you, can you take it upon yourself? I will go through life and I know Hashem wants me to do it because He wants me to do it. It's sort of like a mission that Hashem gives us through spirituality and through Judaism. We are going through this, uh, this darkness time, this galut, let's say. But at the end of the galut, it's just a preparation. The galut is a preparation for the end, for the Mashiach, right? So how do, how do you know the, the Svatimit is telling us the time of the midbar, when you mitbatel yourself, when you're nullifying yourself, become hefker, you're actually preparing for the receiving of Torah. You nullify yourself, you become like the midbar, you become basically nothing, and then you're able to get to the higher level. And this is, Svatimit is teaching us, this is what spirituality actually means. It means making yourself hefker, nullifying yourself, surrendering yourself to Hashem, to the Creator, because because there's nothing but him. And through that, you're able to move forward and go to a higher level and go to receive the Torah. It's amazing. So it's like teaching us an amazing lesson. If we want to go to a higher level, if we want to go through life, if we want to make money, if we want to have a family, if we want to, I don't know, whatever you want to do, go through life in a spiritual way and go to a higher level, you have to be ready to, to, to go down a little. You have to... Take your level down. Become nullified. Become nothing. The more nothing you become, not nothing, but the more midbal you become, the more nullified to Hashem, the more willing you are to serve Hashem, to serve the Creator, the more you will receive at the end. And that's, that's what the Svatimet is teaching us. So I want to read in the Zohar something very beautiful. I'm in Sefer Bamidbal. Um... Uh, if you're in the new print, it's on page Vav, Sif Kaf Alif, Ma'amal Simchut Yerushalayim. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read and we're gonna see where where the Zohar, what the Zohar talks about in this week's parsha. Rabbi Elazar Patach. Rabbi Elazar opened 
with this Dvar Torah on the Pasuk of Isha Diglo Be'otot Levet Avotam Yachnum B'nei Yisrael. It says in the, this week's parasha, each person on his flag with signs, that each flag had their own sign for a certain for the certain group of encampment, Levet Avotam to, the, to his father's house, that's how they should make camp, Machanet. That's how should they, they should make camp. So Rabbi Lazar Patach, he, he opens up with the Pasuk, Simchut Yerushalayim Begilu Ba Kol Ha'aveya. The Yerushalayim should be happy and all of its loved ones will rejoice. How loved is Hashem's Torah? How, 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 how much love does Hashem have for His Torah? Because every time, that every moment, every place that the Torah is heard, all Hashem and all of His Sivaot, all of His armies and and his uh, and his encampments and his battle groups, everyone is listening. All the angels, all of the Hashem and all of his angels in it, all of the upper worlds are listening to these divrei Torah. Just when one divrei Torah is being said, and the Creator is coming to live with him. David Melech says, "Every place that I will remember my name, uh, not David Melech." Hashem saying, every time I, I will reveal my name, I will remember my name, I will be there. The ones who fall, the, the, the ones who hate this person, he's saying here, the, the ones, his haters will fall before him, he said like before. So now we're talking about the mitzvot of the Torah, the commandments of the Torah. The mitzvot of the Torah, the commandments of the Torah, elyonot elemana. The upper mitzvot, the upper commandments, are above in the upper words. But let's say a person does a mitzvah. Let's say he does tzedakah. He does and gives a, a dollar to tzedakah. A mitzvah, he omedet yipnei kvash baruchu mitaateret lefanav. That mitzvah itself, the mitzvah goes up in front of a kvash baruchu, in front of the creator, and is glorified. So the mitzvah itself goes up to the creator, says, you know who made me? This person made me. This person made this mitzvah. Like the mitzvah is saying, you made me. This person made me. Just imagine every person who does a mitzvah, the mitzvah itself goes up and says, who, who is your creator? Who created this mitzvah? Ploni ani. Umin ploni ani, sorry. So from this person, I was created. The person who does the mitzvah in the lower worlds awakens the mitzvah in the upper worlds. Just like a person awakens the mitzvah from below, does a mitzvah in, in this world, it awakens above. It does peace between above and below. And does a union between the female and male aspects of God, which are called Zerampin Malchut, for those of you who know. And it becomes a union and becomes peace. Uh, blessed is the person that does a mitzvah of the Torah in this world. Okay. Let's move on for this. So the Zohar is telling us something. I I believe it's it's something amazing, something a little cute. It's, it seems a little cute because the mitzvah goes, oh, this person made me, Michael Gian. He did this mitzvah. He made me. I'm from this person, right? Like, it seems weird or a little cute in a sense. But imagine that every time a person does a mitzvah, 
It goes in front of the creator and you bring peace to the world. So it shows you the power of one mitzvah. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to do such a big act, such a huge thing in order to make a mitzvah. Mitzvah can give one dollar to tzedakah, more than one dollar is also good, but it's showing you that there's so much in one mitzvah itself. You don't have to do these amazing things in order to get the shalom, the, the peace to the world. If you really want to go on a spiritual path, if you really want to bring peace to the world, bring Mashiach closer, these things don't come, they do come through the big things. They, but like, who are we? So even if you do something small, don't feel like you're unworthy because you, you did something small. There are people who do better, that's true. But because of what you did, no one else can do. Every person has their own part. We, we just said that every, every Jewish person has a letter in the Torah. So if they're letter in the Torah, every single Jewish person has their own mission, has their own path. So that means that there's one mitzvah that that person, that Jewish person has to do in order for them to bring the geula closer. So it's something amazing that Zohar is telling us, no one person is not special. Every person is special. They have their own thing to do. Every mitzvah that they perform is actually amazing. So we don't want to look down on these mitzvot as if they're, ah, they're not so great. It's just stakat. It's just one dollar. No, every, every dollar counts. Every mitzvah, everything you do, every devout Torah, every good act that you do, you bring a old lady across the street. I don't know, but everything you do is, is amazing. And that's what the Zohar is, the Zohar is coming to teach us. I want to, um, speak about one more thing in this week's Baal Shah. Something very, actually very interesting because not a lot of people, the Zohar goes into depth with this. I didn't want to read it this time because it goes very, very into depth about the flags of the encampment of Bnei Yisrael. What were these flags? They had, they had certain symbols. They meant different things. The Zohar tells us that these different flags represented and the different directions of the camp represented different, the four different angels. I'm going to read from Kerem Shlomo. Kerem Shlomo also quotes the Zohar. Kerem Shlomo is giving us sort of like a, a look into this week's Parsha. And what were these flags? What, did, what were they? What, what did it mean that... Uh, we'll go into it. I, I keep speaking. Let's just read. Kerem <laughs> So, Kerem Shlomo is telling us, the Creator had a great love that they created flags, the Jewish people created flags, just like the angels, Malachi Asharet, they also had flags. So then, eventually, it says by the uh, Sinai, they, they saw the angels with their flags. They saw the camp, the Tzibot Hashem, they saw, they saw all the Malachi Asharet, and so they saw that these malachim, these angels, actually also had their own flags. They also had their own encampment. And so Bnei Israel were like, we want that. We want that holy flag sort of going. But Kerem Shlomo says like this. Kerem Shlomo is coming to teach us, if you're looking at just the, it's a nice flag, it's a, Let's say the Jewish, the Jewish star with the two blue lines. It's not, it's not something physical. Kamshlom was coming to teach us something even further than that. You're not, don't look at something, but Pashut. Don't look at the simplicity of the Pasuk. Look further. 
ונגיד לבר מה שאמרו חז"ל, כיוון שבאול מדבר סיני אמר לוקים כך הוא כבודה של תורה שיתן אותה לדור בעלי מומים, ירפו אותה מניין שלא היו בהם חגרים, מניין שלא היו בהם דידמין, says by the Sinai, by Hal Sinai in במדבר, in the desert, there were many many people who had different sicknesses, and right before they were receiving the Torah, they were healed. Every single person, blind, deaf, mute, handicapped, whatever it was, they were all healed. Every single person. Everyone was healed. Why were they supposed to be healed? What was wrong with the fact that they had certain blemishes within them that they needed to be healed? We know a person has the same amount of parts of the body is correspond to the same amount of mitzvot in the Torah. If somebody, chas v'shalom, does a sin, and he's over, and he, and he transgresses against this commandment, that, old, that specific part of the body that corresponds to that mitzvah becomes tameh. So what happens when you do a mitzvah? It comes from us telling us, when you do a mitzvah, that part of the body becomes tahol. It becomes purified. Tameh, I'm sorry, tameh means impure, tahol means purified. So when you do a mitzvah, you're purifying that part of the body, by doing that mitzvah. There were four flags that correspond to the four directions of the camp. They were actually also corresponding to the four angels that surrounded the Kisei HaKavod, the, the throne of glory of the Creator. Mimino Michael, Mismolo Gabriel, Milfanav Urikel, Mokhorav Rafael. Al Rosham Shkinat Kel. So the four directions, or the four angels, to the right was Michael, to the left was Gabriel, in front was Urikel, and behind was Rafael. And above was the Shkinah. And so too in the, in the physical world. There are four angels, and in the middle is the Shechina. That's what the Zohar says, I didn't want to go into depth, because the Baal Sulam gives a very deep Dval Torah on this specific uh, Pasuk, on this specific concept of the flags. And to our uh, inyan, to our subject, we see a very, very interesting hint. The four names, if you take the four names of the angels, Michael, Gavriel, Urikel, and Raphael, they actually add up to the gematria of Shin Kuvav Tzadik Yutav. We know the Anabakoach has amazing powers, 
And one of the names of one of the the, the last line of the Anbukoch, Shavatenu Kabel Tulumot, the seventh line, the Roshetevot, the the first letter of each word, if you add them up numerically, you get the numeric value of these four angels. So what does that mean exactly? I know it's a lot of math and a lot of wow, that's amazing, but what is what does that mean? So before this comes, Shlomo was also saying that Shinkuvav Tzadik is also the name for the Fu'ah. And that's why they had to be healed by the last day. But let's see it inside. Once they finish to fix the Sfirot. We're coming back to Sfirat Omer because we're almost in Shavuot. They reach the 49th day of the Omer. And so we know that each week of the Omer is each uh, each one is one sphirah. And each day is also a sphirah. So you have chesed shebe chesed. Chesed shebe gvura or gvura shebe chesed. Tiferet shebe chesed. Right? So you go order order by order. And by the last day, you, what's the last day? What's the 49th day? Malchut shebe malchut. Once you get to the last day, the last day is when you focus on, you meditate, you mechaven on the letters, Shin Kuvav Tzayikutav, which is the gematria of these four angels. So what is he telling us? When they got to the 49th day, when they were ready to receive the Torah, they saw these angels. They saw them. They saw these angels. They saw the encampment that the, the angels had. And they were like, I want this. The, all of Bnei Yisrael did say that they had tava. They had a they had a lust for that kind of energy, that kind of spirituality. They were they were having this tava. They were having this lust or desire, very deep desire for these flags. Now, what were these flags? We know because of the Kerem Shlomo that these flags were actually these four angels. The Kerem Shlomo is coming to teach us something powerful. If we want to reach the last day of the Sfira, which is Shavuot, receiving the Torah, right now we're getting to the last week of the Sfira. If we want to receive the Torah, if we want to get to the highest level, the level of angels, an amazing spiritual level, we have to look at how are we getting there? What are we being mitaken? He says we, 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 there's a certain word that mitaken to, to fix. What are we fixing? What are we doing within ourselves to get to that last level? What are we taking upon ourselves that we're going to do this year that we didn't do any other year? We're going the next level. We're going up and up and up. We're not going down. We're not going uh, flatlining. We're going up. We're always moving up. So the Council is teaching us these four angels, Michael, Gabriel, Urikel, Rafael, they add up to the name Shin Kuvav Tzadikutav. It's the last, it's the last name. It's the last, uh, aspect. It's the last level of the Sfirat Omer. And so when we think about that, we're thinking, we want to be healed. He says at the beginning of the, of the Mama, we want to be healed. The Bnei Israel, they were healed right before they received the Torah. Where in your life do you feel like you need healing? Where in your life do you feel like things are not working? I need some help. I, creator, I, I need some help. Bring down something that, that will help me. Bring down something that will heal me. Heal my body, heal my soul, heal my mind. 
when you think that when you think that you're ready to move to the next level so that the creator can help you move forward that's what we want to think about when we're getting to Shavuot, when we're getting to this week's parsha parsha the uh, the galim the the flags so that's the kavanah that's the that's what we should be thinking about we want to move to the next level but we want to make sure we want to make a move we want to do something about it so that we can move we're not going to just move by itself we have to do something within ourselves not something physical you can do something physical let's do, do good too do some mitzvot but change something within your mindset that you can move up you can move to the next level move to the madriga move to the level of the malachim and so i want to give a story something amazing i read amazing story so the original storyteller of this story was Rabbi Shlomo Karibach. He was a very famous storyteller. He used to have a guitar, he used to sing it, and everyone used to sing with him. And he would give these amazing stories. One of the stories in the Sefer that he wrote, he didn't write it, but it was all his stories compiled. He gives a story about, let me quote the rabbi so I don't make a mistake. Rabbi Chaim Itzans. So Rabbi Chaim Itzans, he used to have a very uh, bad leg, his leg, like his physical leg. He was always limping, and he needed uh, he needed healing. He had a, he had a bad leg, so he went to the doctor, and the the doctor said, "You're gonna need surgery." This is they had surgeons back then, so he said, "You're gonna need surgery." He he used to live with Chaim Mitzan, Just to give context. He's uh, back in the days where there was a shtetl and all these things in the Eastern Europe. So he used to, he was, Rabbi Chaim Itzans was a very, very big Kabbalist, very big Hasid, and eventually he just needed to do surgery. So the doctor told him, you need surgery. So Rabbi Chaim Itzan is, uh, is, when you get surgery, you have to go under, give you certain drugs that make you fall asleep. So Rabbi Chaim Itzan says, you know what? I don't want, I don't want the drugs. I'll take care of the pain. You take care of the leg. So something amazing, like, what is he going to do? <laughs> you think he can just like, just not feel the pain. The pain is there. So how are you not supposed to feel the pain? So Hamid Sanz tells the doctor, you take care of the leg, I'll take care of the pain. But do one thing. After the surgery, don't wake me up. I'll be lying there, but don't wake me up. So Hamid Sanz goes back and he comes back the next day. The doctor is ready to perform the surgery on his leg. And within a minute, Abi Hamid Sanz falls asleep, but it's not a regular sleep. It's as if Rabbi Chaim Itzan's passed away. You, you can't see breath moving, you can't see his lungs going up and down. It's as if, it's as if he died, chas v'shalom. So the doctor starts like freaking out, but his sons are there, his sons tell him, don't worry, do the surgery, and everything will be okay. Because that's what our father told us. So Rabbi Chaim Itzan's tells you, everything's gonna be okay. You gotta believe everything is gonna be okay. So the doctor performs the surgery, can't see the bird, he can't see Rabbi Chaim Itzan's breathing. He just performs the surgery, finishes the surgery, and uh, after an hour after the surgery, he's still not awake. So the doctor starts freaking out, he's telling his sons, What should I do? Should I, should I wake him up? So the sons say, It's gonna be okay. He said, It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. After four hours after the surgery, Rabbi Chaim Itzan wakes up and he looks at the doctor and he says, How was the surgery? <laughs> the doctor says the surgery went great, but how are you alive? What, what happened? Why did you fall asleep like that? Why, why did it look like as if you were dead? So the Chaim Itzan says, I learned from my teacher, the Rav Shitzer, he tells me, he told me, I'm sorry, that there's a certain type of simcha, certain type of happiness 
that's not tluya. It's not dependent on anything. There's simcha, that's, there's happiness that's dependent. I'm happy because I got my piece of cake. I'm happy because I got a raise at my job. I'm happy because I got my seat on the bus. I don't, I don't know. But that's simcha tluya badavak. But then there's a simcha, there's a happiness that's not tluya badavak. It's not hanging on anything. It's not dependent on anything. And that type of happiness is the essence of happiness, the, the happiness that the Creator has, the happiness that exists in the existence of the Creator. So Rabbi Chaim Mitzan says, I knew that the pain of this surgery would be so much more than the happiness that was dependent on things. Because when you're happy with something and it's dependent on, on, let's say, you're happy with your health, and if you get pain, the pain overrides that happiness. You're not happy with your health anymore. So that, that happiness disappears. It's as if it doesn't exist. So I knew I had to go into a certain happiness that, that doesn't rely on anything. I had to go into the happiness of, uh, of a Kaddish Baruch of the Creator, which is only in the next world. I had to pass away, almost pass away. Basically, he went into the next world and came back in order to receive this happiness. And eventually his, his leg was fine. He got the surgery. But there's two things I want to learn from this story. First is that if you want healing, you got to believe it's going to be how, it, how the Creator wants it. You got to believe in certain people who have the powers, like Tzadikim, like Rabbi Chaim Mitzans, they have the, the power to make sure that the healing will happen. If it's going to be okay, it's going to, like if they say it's going to be okay, you're going to believe it's going to be okay. But also a, a certain deeper lesson from the story is that people might be happy with what they have because they have it. But what happens when they don't have it? Where does that happiness go? We want to be happy even though we have these things, not because we have these things. I'm happy because I'm happy with my creator. I'm happy because I'm happy where I am. When we look at the things we have and we're happy with them, we're never going to have this lust for more. We want to have a happiness that we're, wow, I'm so happy. My body is healthy. I can walk. I can breathe. You have a happiness that's not reliant on other things. And so that type of happiness is very, very, I, I, I'm sure I don't have it because I, I am not happy when I don't get my slice of cake. So it's something that it's very hard to work on for me, but it's something that we should all be working on together so we can reach that level of happiness and Bizrat Hashem, Bizchut Shavuot, and Bizchut the Shabbat that's coming up, Parashat Mamidbar, we can attain a level of happiness and a level of blessing and a level of refuah and bracha that we've never seen before. Bizrat Hashem, Amen. Have a wonderful Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.